I want to draw your attention to the book of Acts. Today I'm going to speak on the title, The Power of a Responsive Church. And this message is more than a message. If you've been watching or following us on social media, I've been posting since Wednesday or Tuesday that today's a big Sunday. <clears throat> and um, we believe that God is going to, God is, God is at, at the point of beginning to do something to the glory of God in the life of this church. When I look back, 300 and almost 98 days, almost 400 days ago, when we started in my house, 35 people. And when I look how God has blessed us to the glory of God, how we've led to the Lord close to, literally, close to 350 people gave their life to Jesus in one year at the altar, to the glory and the honor of God. And I look at where the Lord is taking us as a church to the glory and the honor of God. And then you look at <clears throat> all that God has done in less than 400 days. All that God has done in light of all that he is going to do. And this message is more than a message today. It's a, it's a testimony slash reminder slash we need to get ready sermon. And so, um, <clears throat> two months ago, two months ago, we started a series called, entitled Pray First. I remember that series. And that series came about, it came about because of a meeting that we had uh, with an individual who owns a homeless coalition. And we serve, we serve the homeless. This church serves the homeless. This church feeds the poor. This church helps those in need. This church focuses on youth at risk. And that's the heart of this church. So if you are a member of this church, you're part of a working church. In this church, we don't have a missions department. We don't have an evangelism department. We don't believe in that. Everybody is an evangelist and everybody's a missionary and everybody does outreach. So we don't have a department. Pastor, who's in charge? The church. The church does the work. And when we started this church, I told the 35 people in my house, if you take out the kids, it was probably 20 of us. <laughs> and I told them that if we were to ever purchase a property, I don't want to build a church. I don't want to buy a church. I don't, I, I don't want to do that. I want to buy a, our first property as a church to do church because you don't need a building to be a church. Okay. So I, I told them I wanted the first piece of property we purchased, I wanted to buy it to help our community so that as people start coming to our church, it will be embedded in our DNA that we are a church for the hopeless, for the hurting, for the broken, which is why New Birth is 
a place of hope. So everything we do stems out of that. Everything we do. Everything we do as a church. If it doesn't provide hope, we don't do it. If it's not going to help the broken, we will not do it. I don't care who's doing it. Pastor, uh, 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 all the churches are doing that. Well, that's not us. We are focused on our agenda. And we will not be distracted by what other churches are doing because we are a place of hope. Can I get an amen? amen? But once we start doing what other churches are doing, we lose our DNA, we lose our perspective, and then we start competing. And I'm not competing with nobody because I'm just trying to get people out of hell and take them to heaven. Um, and, so, and so that's why we purchased that property. In the past year, to the glory of of God, we have been able to feed over 5,000 people with eight, nine, ten bags of groceries in a year span. We've been able to rescue families who were living in the streets, and we've placed them in homes to the glory of God. We've been able to restore families that have been broken to the glory of God. And so, we understand that if God did all that in one year, in one year, and in one year, we already were, were almost at 700 people in one year. If you add this attendance with the attendance of the 9 o'clock service, 930, we're almost 700 people to the glory of God. And when you see that and you say, God, if this is what you've done in one year, where will we be next year? And so... There's a danger, and, and you know, you guys, you guys are blessed because I say stuff in the second service I don't say in the first. Uh, but, 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 but there's a danger that we lose focus, and we lose focus, and we don't stay humble. We don't stay humble. And so, church, we have to be humble. Even when you post, and I know, you know, you know, you know, you know, because some of us, we're, we're, we're proud of our church. I don't know about you, but I am proud of my church. Everywhere I go, I talk about my church. I don't care. Because pride is, pride is like, the, like cholesterol. There's good cholesterol and there's bad cholesterol. I'm, I, I, when I, wherever I go, I talk about my church because I'm proud of my church. I'm proud to see what God is doing. But we have to be careful. Even in when we post what we post about our church, that there is not no room for arrogance or pride, that we keep ourselves humble because it is humility what has taken us this far. And the last thing I want is for arrogance to creep in. And so, and so let's stay humble, church. Let's stay humble so he can get the glory. Anyway, so in light of that, um, we've been praying. We've been praying. And that month that we took for prayer stemmed out because as we was doing outreach, particularly to the homeless, we would meet with a, we would partner up with a coalition in downtown Kissimmee. And one, one Friday we were scheduled to serve, but we saw the sign that said, close until further notice. And so Brother Norby went and called and to find out why did they close. And, and to our surprise, we were informed that she closed because she could not she doesn't have the finances to operate the ministry. Now, this building is paid off. She paid it off. 
but to operate it, to operate it monthly, bringing in homeless. And not only does she feed them, but she has washing machines and dryers. So the homeless come and wash their clothes there and even bathe there. And, 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 and so she said, Pastor, you know, to operate this building, um, I cannot afford it. There were churches that were sponsoring us, but they, they pulled out and, you know, the economy is difficult. And so she found herself literally closing down this place. And so when we found out about that, I said, I told Norby, let's meet with this woman, see how we could partner up so we can help her do the ministry because that's what we do. We are, we are about outreach. We're about outreach. We're about reaching out to the broken and the hurting. And so we met, and in the meeting, in the meeting, uh, the conversation went, Pastor Gabby, can you help us continue to run the ministry? And I told you, if, you, if you've been part of our series that we did two months ago, I told you that there are some doors that look godly. There are some things that are godly, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's God's will for us. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can be doing God's work. But if it's not God's will, even if it's God's work, it's not good. And so I told the sister, I said, listen, Jan, here's what we're going to do. You go pray for 30 days. I'm going to go pray 30 days. And I'm going to go pray with my church. And it was out of that conversation that the entire sermon series, Pray First, went about. Well, we believe that when you pray, God answers, right? Okay. Sometimes we want God to answer quick. Well, here's what happened. I'm preaching on prayer first. Week one, we was praying and preaching. And week one came and left, and God didn't answer. Okay. We kept on praying. Week two came. And I'm praying and preaching that God answers prayers. And God didn't answer. Week three, I'm a little nervous right now because I got one more week. <laughs> Before the sermon is over, and week three came, and we prayed and preached, nothing happened. Week four came. We prayed and we preached. And the day before the month was over, my wife is very, <laughs> I get to the point. My wife, my wife went on Facebook. Thank God for Facebook. Thank God for Facebook. Some of us go on Facebook to gossip and, and post you how depressed you are. Listen, nobody cares how depressed you are on Facebook. Take that out. Testify about the goodness of the Lord. I'm depressed. Sad emojis. Get rid of those emojis. <laughs> I, listen, I will not, listen. I will not spend one post of my life giving depression glory. Never. I will always encourage people through social media, help people through social media, testify of the Lord through social media. I will not be fighting and, and you said this and I said that. They ain't got time for that. But anyway, so my wife went on Facebook and she was scrolling, you know, because now Facebook has become the spirit of discernment. <laughs> Before you needed the sermon to see how people really were, but now through Facebook, you know who's who. You know who's who. Uh, no, that's a joke. That's a joke. Anyway, 
So she was going to Fayetteville, and, 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 and she came across Calvary Assembly. If you don't know who Calvary Assembly is, Calvary Assembly is a church that's an I-4. It's a big church, an I-4 going towards downtown Orlando. And she read an article where Calvary Assembly partnered up with an individual who was in the business of doing a homeless project, and they partnered up with Calvary Assembly. Now, we've been praying almost 30 days, if this is God's will that we as a church partner up with this woman in the coalition to see if it's God's will that this synergy could come about. And so when she saw that Calvary Assembly was hooking up with an individual, she said, honey, why don't you try and meet with them to see what they're doing to see if maybe that's something that we can do, partner up. Well, I don't know the pastor from Calvary Assembly. Never met him. But I know a pastor, a friend of mine, who retired, who is now the Spanish pastor at that church. So I shot him a text. I said, hey, listen. And I gave him a call. I said, listen, I would like to have us. Uh, my wife and I, we saw, and I told him we saw on Facebook, and, and we would like to get insight. Can I, I told him, can I meet with him, the Spanish guy? Can I meet with you to find out what it is that your pastor is doing with the coalition? Because So his response to me, Pastor, I have no idea what you're talking about. I myself would like to hear and know what my pastor's doing. Let me do this. Let me call my pastor and see if I can schedule an appointment for him to meet with you. And I'm like, okay. I'm talking about he called me, and literally in two days, we made an appointment to meet this pastor of Calvary Assembly. I go to Calvary Assembly, Norby, myself, we go to Calvary Assembly, meet with this man. And I'm, and I, and I'm trying to pick his brain to see how that partnership is going to look like so that we can then come up with a plan and speak with the lady of the coalition, how can we partner up like that? Because there's a conflict between a church co co collaborating with an institution. There's a lot of legalities, and I wanted to make sure that we do it right because I'm very, very conscious that the decisions that we make honors, has to honor God, but I respect you all as a church, and I value you all as a church. And I know that there's an element of trust from your part to me. So I know that any decision I do, I want to be in the perfect will of God. That everything I do, I can stand up here and say, this is what was done. Exactly what it gets done. That if I say, I'm going to buy a $20 shirt. I don't buy it for $17 and keep three and go. Get me a Dunkin' Donuts. I, I like to be clear with the church. That's, that's just the way I am. And I like to inform the church where it is that we're doing. And so I wanted to meet with this guy to pick his brain to see how do we do it. And, and while we're talking, he asked me, in the middle of the conversation, I was, he said, Gabby, have you, have you considered buying the property? I'm not thinking about buying the property. I'm thinking about merging with this woman. And so we kept on talking, kept on talking, and kept on talking. And I got some ideas. He gave me some ideas about merger. He told me how he's merging. Long story short, we're about to close the meeting. And he wants to give me a tour because they did some renovations at Calvary Assembly. And I said, before we go, we already got up from the chairs, already hugging up. I said, is it okay we pray first before we do the tour? And I began to pray. And Norby was there. We started praying. And, and it wasn't a prayer binding demons and speaking in Greek and Hebrew. It was, it was just, Lord, thank you for the opportunity of meeting this man and, and, and creating something that was going to be. And, and, and right after we got up, to do the tour. He says, Gabby, I feel from the Lord to tell you to consider purchasing the property. 
Now, when I met with the woman of the coalition, she's not interested in selling. She's like, this is my legacy. This is my inheritance. This is paid off in cash. I want to leave this to my kids. I don't want to sell. As a matter of fact, I live in the property. So, if I, so she's like, she has said zero about selling. And so he says, Pastor, I tell you what. If you buy the property, this man, I don't know him. I just met him that day. He says, if you buy the property, my church is going to give you $10,000. Go on, go, go and ask to buy the property. This is the last day of the 30 days of the Pray First series. And so I left out that meeting and courage said, Norby, wow. So I met with my board, I think like a week ago, two weeks ago. I met with my board because we have to come with a plan. So two weeks ago, I, um, I told the board, I said, board, this is where I feel the Lord is leading us. And I didn't feel the peace after that meeting with Pastor I didn't feel the peace about merging and working together. Not because we, I don't believe in collaboration. It's just legally, there's so many, there was so many, two incorporations. It, it was just legally, it was just a hot mess. And, 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 and so we, we decided as a board to present the possibility of purchasing even though we knew she was not going to sell. And so we wrote a letter and we said, uh, dear Miss so-and-so, on behalf of our church, after having been praying for a whole month, after been seeking God's direction and on and on, we've decided that the church, the board and the church has decided that we will only be considering purchasing the property. Should you want to, here, blah, 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 sign, blah, blah, send the letter, blah, blah. Okay. This Monday, I'm in my office with Angel, my wife and I, and there's a knocking on my door in my office. And when, I, my, when Angel looked out, the wind, out, the, out my door, this is a glass door in my office, he said, Pastor Gabby, it's, it's the lady from the coalition. So me and my wife, we, we hid. <laughs> you, know, you know how you do it? You're like, tell I'm not here, you know? <clears throat> we hid. I said, I ain't going to get the door. I said, baby, you go get the door. No, no, you go get the door. I ain't getting the door. Because we mailed her the letter. We mailed her the letter. And said, well, well, she knocked at the door, and she had a letter in her hand. And while Angel went to get the letter, my wife was saying, you see, she, she's insult. I, I bet you she's insulting you in that letter. <laughs> like, how dare you after you had a long conversation with her for two hours. Now you're giving her an impersonal communication via letter. And she's insane, like, you should have never done that. You should have spoken to her. And she's dissing you off another. So now I have this letter in my office, and I'm like, And as I start to read, she starts saying, Pastor Gabby, we have decided to sell you the property. We have decided to give it to you. Tell us how much you want to pay for it. And so, in light of that, is that I want to share what God put in my heart today. And there's a story in the book of Acts. Oh, my God, it's 1230. Oh, my God. There's a story in the book of Acts, chapter 12. I'm talking about a, the power of a responsive church. The power of a responsive church. The power of a church that responses. That responds. 
Listen to this. Acts chapter 12. It says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, to put to death with a sword. When he saw this, I'm sorry, when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter as well. And this happened during the festival of the unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after Passover. So Peter was kept in prison. Check this out. But the church was earnestly praying for God to what? For God for him. That night, Herod was to bring him to trial. And Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Say it again. An angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up and said, quick. Somebody say quick. Two words, suddenly and quick. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea that the angel, what the angel was doing was really happening. So he thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. Notice that this was an iron gate that was impossible for Peter to open. And God opened the gate. Because there are some gates that you can open that God will open. But then there are some doors that you can open that you got to open. What happens? Verse 11. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. And Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed by hearing his voice that she ran back without opening the door and exclaimed, it's Peter at the door. And the people who were praying for God to deliver Peter said, you're out of your mind. They told him. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be an angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And so today I want to talk about the power of a responsive church. And in Jeremiah 33, there's a verse we all know it. Some, if you've been in church more than five, ten years, 
Jeremiah 33 and 3, it says, call unto me, right? And I will answer thee. You remember that text? Call unto me and I will answer you and tell you great unsearchable things that you do not know. And sometimes we read this scripture and we start praying for stuff and God don't give us these things we're praying for. And we get frustrated with God. But you said if I call, you're going to answer. Why you ain't answer? You got to read the context of that text, which we will read at the end of the sermon. To understand what is it that God says, if you call me, I will answer. But it's got to be a specific call. Lord, I, I want to lose 30 pounds. Call that to God. He ain't going to answer that. Hit the gym, sucker. Here's what I see in this story. I see simultaneous effects happening in the church. While the church was praying in a room in one part of the city, God was opening doors for a man in a room in another part of the city. And the thing is that while the church was praying for a miracle, the miracle was happening Yet the people who were praying had no idea that their prayer was working. Because they were praying for Peter who was in the other side of Jerusalem. And while they're praying, miracles has happened. And there's miracles occurring on both sides of the sphere, geographically speaking. Yet none of them knew that Peter's miracle was because the church was praying. Peter didn't know that. And the church didn't know that while they were praying, God was making a way for their answer to come to pass. Listen to me, church. God was working a miracle on both groups. And while God is doing a miracle on both groups, both groups were oblivious to what he was doing on either side. And that's important for us to know. You know why? Because when you pray... And you see that nothing happens does not mean that nothing is happening. When you pray and you see no results, it does not mean that there is no result on its way. <laughs> Just because you don't see a sign does not mean that God is not working on your behalf. And you might say, but God, but I don't see the miracle." But God, I don't see the healing. Listen, it's not your job to see it out of time. Because, listen, some of us, if we see what God asks for us out of time, we're going to go crazy. Some of us, if we get the miracle we need out of time, we go crazy. So we got to wait. Touch your neighbor and tell them, you got to wait. It's my job to pray until the miracle happens. So last month, we started the series, Pray First, hoping that God would do a miracle. And it took God 31 days to respond. Now, I want to tell you this, that when you pray, you are not alone when you pray. You need to understand that. You might be alone in your prayer closet. 
You might be in a room by yourself. You might be praying in the car by yourself. But I want to let you know that when you pray, you are not alone in your prayer. And that's so comforting to know because what that tells me is that somebody is listening to my prayer. Look what the Bible says. David said in Psalms chapter 34, verse 6 and 7, he says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and the Lord delivered him of all of his troubles. And that is the verse that precedes the one we say all the time that says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So what does the Bible says? David says, every time I cry to the Lord, he hears me. And I want you to know, I want you to know that not only is God in the business of hearing you, but there's a second effect that happens when you start praying to God, knowing he's there. Listen to me. Verse 7 says, the angel of the Lord encamps around me. He is in my circumference. Now, now understand this. Understand. I'm here to tell you that when you pray, the angel is with you. The angel is on by your side. The angel will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, 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 why is the angel of the Lord with you? Why is he there? Let me tell you something. The angel of the Lord is not there to fight your battles. That's the job. Of archangels. The job of an archangel is to protect and defend the glory of God. What's the job of an angel? Angels in the Bibles are messengers. So what am I telling you? If the angel of the Lord is with you when you cry, look what the, look what the Bible is telling you. What the Bible is telling you is that whenever an angel showed up in Scripture, he showed up because he had a message from the Lord. So what does that tell me, Pastor? What that tells me is that while you're praying, the Bible says you got to pray. The fervent prayer of the righteous prevaileth much. You got to pray, and you got to pray. And here's what happened. The angel who's a messenger, he's going to take your prayer, and he's going to send it to the Father. And he's not going to leave your side until he gets back a message from the Father. And while he's waiting for the message, he's going to protect you from every snare of the enemy. And while he's waiting, listen, listen, there are angels right now that they got a message. They got a response. They got an answer for you. But God has not given those angels the authority to give you the answer yet because it ain't time. And God wants you to pray a little longer, a little stronger. And you might feel God is not there. But the Bible says the angel of the Lord is with you. And I want to tell you this. If the angel is with you, it's because he got a message. And if he hasn't told you the message yet he can't leave you by your side and i'm here to encourage you wait until you hear from the lord he's by your side because he's got a message He's by your side because there's a word he wants to give you. He's by your side because there's a message he has in store for you. And this means that there's a response from the Lord coming your way. So what am I gonna do? I'm gonna wait on the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord because the angel is right next to me waiting from God to get the approval to give me what I need to hear. But for this, 
this. It is important that we understand the power of a praying church. The church of Christ that doesn't pray has no power. The church of God that doesn't live in prayer has no power. God is looking for a praying church. Can somebody say amen? The church was praying. And if this church, book of Acts chapter, chapter 12, if this church was praying the way I prayed when I was a little kid, then this prayer service was mad noisy. Because, you know, not, not nowadays we pray mad collectively, right? This church, you need to understand, they weren't praying because they told her. They, they weren't praying because they, they wanted God to give them a little raise, you know. They were praying because Peter was in prison. Peter was their pastor. Peter, when the church in the upper room began, and the day of Pentecost, the first one that broke out preaching in Acts chapter 2 was Peter. Peter was the one who funded, who started the church. So to the eyes of the Christians, as a matter of fact, even till today, the Catholic church highly regards Peter, and they attribute him to be the planter of the church. So the pastor of the church was in prison. And I know, I know, I know that the church that was praying in the house, they weren't praying Oh, Lord, if you can take Peter out of prison, Lord, you know, Dito, I bendito. If your pastor's in prison and you pray for me, Jesus. No, 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 Lord, Lord, my, my pastor is in prison. My, my leader is in prison. The man of God, you put every day down that pulpit to speak a word into my life. When you stop praying for your leader and for your pastor, you ain't got no time to be no cute prayer. This church was praying, making, I wish, I wish, I wish we can go back to praying like that, like that, like that. When we would pray till our socks go to our ankles, when we would pray till our throat hurt. Listen, in my mom's church, church in my mama's church my mama church in my mama's church when we used to pray my father never believed in turning on the lights that's why the light bill was so cheap my father did not believe i'm praying with the lights on all the lights in the church was it was pitch black close your eyes real quick close your eyes it looked just like that it was pitch black it was pitch black and, and we would go to church we would go to church i remember when i was a kid we would go to church and what i used to do when i was a little kid i used to get under the bench and roll and play games under the bench because ain't nobody could see this i was having a blast under the church but when I started growing up and learning about the power of prayer, I started realizing that, I, I, listen, it was so dark, you couldn't know where you was going. But the people were praying so loud that you knew you couldn't go through an alley because somebody was there. Somebody was speaking so loud. Okay, I can't sit there. That's taken. That's taken. That's taken. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And the church was so into prayer. We would spend an hour before the service in prayer. I, I'm not talking about one minute. I'm not talking about three minutes. I'm not talking about countdown video. I'm talking about an hour in prayer. And we were praying with fire. We were praying with authority. Nowadays, 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 nowadays. When we pray, we want to be seen by people. When we pray, I hate those people that pray on TV and they, they, they're very, very praying with notes. How do you pray with notes? 
praying with notes and, and trying to trying to impress politicians and trying to impress religious folk. And try, listen, 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 listen. David said, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. When we start going back to praying the way the Bible calls us to pray, he said, if you call unto me, I'm going to answer you. We got to go back to praying. We got to go back to prayer. We got to go back to prayer. God is looking for a praying church. A praying church. We need to go back to old school prayer. Call me old school. Call me bootleg. Call me back. No, no. I'd rather pray with Jesus and look like a fool, but know that I know that I know that the angel of the Lord has got a message. Let me get monitored. Let me get monitored. That the angel of the Lord has a message for me. What happened? Look what happened. While they were praying. <laughs> we got to go while they were praying. While they were praying. While they were praying. While they were making noise. While they were making noise, all of a sudden, somebody began to heard a knock on the door. While they were praying. You listen, you ain't never going to hear a knock on the door if you don't get to pray. You ain't never going to hear something happen in the heavens until you begin to pray. While they were praying, making noise, there was a knock on the door. And I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad that the Bible tells us who heard the knock. It wasn't John who heard the knock. It wasn't Bartholomew who heard the knock. It wasn't Mary, the mother of Jesus, who heard the knock. It wasn't Magdalene, the prostitute, who heard the knock. While they were praying, there was a girl by the name of Rhoda. And by the way, she was a slave. She was a nobody. She was a reject. She was an insignificant person in the service. Because you don't got to be notable to be used by God. While they were praying, the Bible says that Rhoda began to hear someone knocking at the door. And now she's got to make a decision. Do I keep the church in prayer mode or do I interrupt the program? Do I keep them praying for something God has already made a way for? Or do I tell them, guys, enough is enough? And the Bible says that she began to look at the situation because she was hearing the prayer of the church, but she was also hearing the prayer on the, the answer on the door. And we got to graduate in our walk with the Lord to the point that we can pray the prayer and hear the voice and make the decision to go to the next level. So the question is, are you willing to interrupt the program and tell the people that someone is knocking at the door? Oh God, I feel like preaching. She went to the door because she heard a knock knock. Uh-huh. Remember that game? Remember that game? Uh, can, can, can we play that game? Knock knock. Uh-huh. God, that sounds good. Knock knock. And she kept hearing a knock. But you got to respond to the knock. It's not enough to hear the knock on the door. When you say who's there, what you're telling that person is, I heard the knock on the door. I heard the knock in the heavenlies. 
and the Bible says that when Rhoda heard the knock on the door she ran to the door and when she ran to the door she said the Bible says that she heard Peter's voice and even though she didn't see Peter she recognized his voice what does the Bible says Jesus said my sheep hears my voice and a stranger they will not follow I'm here to tell you there was a solid door that divided this woman between Peter but in spite of the fact that she couldn't see him she heard his voice and she said I know that I know that I know that what they pray for is on the other side of the door hallelujah 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 when you start praying walk up in your circumstance when you start praying the things you've been praying for God's gonna make a way when you start praying we started praying for the building I'm here to tell you today Peter is at the door not only is there power in a praying church but there's encouragement in a responsive church the Bible says that she went to the church after she heard Peter knocking. She left Peter at the other side of the door. All she had to do was turn the knob. But she got so excited to hear Peter on the other side of the door that instead of opening the door, she ran into the service and she ran to the church and she started telling Peter, I'm sorry, she started telling John and she started telling Mary and she started telling John, I think I heard Peter at the door. Can I preach? I'm here to tell you today, I'm here to tell you today, it's not enough to pray and it's not enough to get an answer. You gotta be responsive. You gotta take action. You gotta do something. She went to the service and look what she says she went to the church which by the way Peter 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 when you look at Peter in scripture Peter represents the church Matthew 16 Jesus told Peter upon this rock I will build my church and I tell you that whatever you bind in hell shall be bound in heaven whatever you lose in hell shall be losing in, in other words when, 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 when you looked at Peter in the Bible Peter is always a type of the church as a matter of fact the Roman Catholic um, 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 religion they, they, they attribute Catholicism and the church to Peter because he's the one who started the church so he, he, here's, here's what Rhoda is saying she's telling the church 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 somebody is at the door and they asked her who's at the door and she said Peter in other words she's telling the church church the church is at the door because Peter represents the church I'm here to tell you today church the church is at the door Peter is at the door what God wants to do with this church is not what happens in these four rooms four walls what God is gonna do in this church is when the church is on the other side of the gate on the other side of the city that's what we got to get ready and we got to pray because there's an assignment that God has for the church outside of the church the church was knocking at the church Peter
Peter was knocking at the church. The church was knocking at the church. The church was knocking at the church. But the church was too busy praying. And they forgot that there was a, there's a time. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that for everything there's a season. There's a time to laugh and there's a time to cry. There's a time to work and there's a time to relax. There's a time to pray and there's a time to take action. And God is shifting this church from prayer mode to action mode. God is shifting this church and he's telling us today the time to pray over this thing is over. The angel of the Lord has delivered a message and Peter is knocking at the door. Open the door. It's at the door. We decided to pray for God to give us the food pantry and he gave it to us. A month and two weeks when we started the church, God gave us $265,000. He opened the door we can open. And from the very beginning we started the church, we started feeding the broken to the glory of God. But now God is taking us another level. He's taking us to another dimension. Because God don't just want us to be encouraged in his answer. He wants us to open the door. The question is, can you hear the knocking on the door? Because there's an assurance. There's an assurance in a responsive church. They were praying and they were praying and they were praying and they were praying. But there comes a time in your life that you have to seal that prayer. The disciples told Jesus, Master, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us the day of the bread. Help us because those who have passed us against us. And, we and, and at the end of the prayer, he says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And then he says, Amen. in other words, this prayer is over. We don't need to pray about this no more. And I'm here to tell you that that prayer you've been praying for, you have to learn how to put an amen on that prayer. you got to learn. What I mean is that there comes a point in your prayer when you need to stop praying because prayer has accomplished what you were asking it to do. And I'm telling you today, so now you need to stop praying over that thing. Go to the gate and open that sucker to the glory of God. Don't keep praying when it's time to open the door. If not, you will miss what's on the other side of the door if you don't change your position. There's a time to do this. There's a time to do this. But then there comes another time to get up on your feet, go to the door, and open the door. Open the door. I'm here to tell you, church, do you hear the knocking? Do you touch it every time? Do you hear the knocking? Do you hear the knocking? Do you hear? I hear the knocking on the door. You've been praying for your husband. And God told me to tell you, put an, put an amen on that prayer. Put an amen on that prayer. Your husband is coming to the Lord. You've been praying for your wife. Put an amen on that prayer. Your wife is coming to the Lord. You've been praying for a job. Put an amen on that prayer. Your job is on its way. You've been praying for healing. Put an amen. Open the door. Numer. We're about to take possession.
We are about to take possession of the city. And for one year we've been praying. For one year we've been praying, Lord, give us a city. For one year we've been praying, Lord, we believe you're going to do something big. For one year we've been praying. We had, a, we had somebody who said, Pastor, I got a big building that sits 500 people. I'm not called to be a pastor. Do you want the building? And I said, hell yeah, I want the building. God, God, listen, God is giving us property. God is giving us land. God is giving us the city. And, I, and, and let me tell you, this entire year, I've been, Lord, you know, I, I don't want to step on nobody's toes. And I don't want to offend nobody. Because, you know, I'm trying to start something to the glory of God. But yesterday, while I was going over my notes, I felt the Holy Spirit rebuke me. And he said, Gabby, why are you afraid to take possession what I want to do in your life? And I was telling God, is that, you know, I, I, people are going to talk about me. And they're going to say this. And I, I heard the Lord tell me, this is not the time to worry about what they're going to say. You better turn that knob or you're going to miss out on what I have for you. So I come to tell you, new birth, no fear. No fear. We're going to turn that door. We're going to walk through and let the devil get mad. But after me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Open the door, open the door, open the door, open the door, open the door. Rhoda, open the door. Open the door, open the door. The church is getting ready to see the power of God. Open the door. People, it's time to open that door. It's time to do something besides pray. It's time to take action. So Rhoda represents those people who heard from the Lord but are not afraid to take the next step. Prayer is good, but prayer is not, a, is not good enough by itself. Because the Bible says, listen, the Bible says that when you pray, pray with faith. Right? But the Bible also says in Hebrews, that faith without works is dead. So praying ain't enough. It ain't enough. It ain't enough. Jesus prayed in the tomb, in front of the tomb of Lazarus. And he said, Lord, I know that you hear me. And I know that you're with me. And after he prayed, I think prayer would have been enough. But he didn't just pray. He spoke a word to the carcass behind the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. It's not enough to pray. Prayer is an act of faith. But when you start working on what you just prayed, what you're telling yourself is not only do I have faith that God's got the power to do it, but my action is a testimony to the world that I am going to believe God in spite of what the world says. I'm going to believe God in spite of what the system says. And I've come to tell you, church, it's time to do something besides prayer. Because without faith, it is impossible to serve God. But faith without works is dead. Rhoda's problem was not believing. She believed. Rhoda's problem was taking action. She heard Peter on the other side of the door. And she was having church. Peter's back. Peter's back. No, he ain't. Open the door, you idiot. 
she was having a party. She was telling the disciples, yo, Peter's back. Peter's back. Peter's back. You can't celebrate over what you haven't touched yet. So I've been telling y'all what God is doing, y'all celebrating. And that's great. But let me submit to you that that's not enough. Celebrating what God is doing is not enough. We got to open the door. What does the Bible says in Psalms chapter 1? Verse 3, it says, and everything you do shall prosper. But you will not see prosperity in what you do if you don't do what you're supposed to do. So, so the, there's a door that we need to open as a church. On the other side of the door, we have a homeless coalition knocking at our door. If you've been to our property, you know that when you drive in, my, the offices are to the, the first modular building. Second modular building, we have classrooms. The third modular building is a Hope Center. If you look to the right, to the left of that property, there's a fence that divides our property from another property. Our property, we sit on two acres of land. This property is three acres of land. And from the moment we purchased that property, the Lord put that, that, that place in my heart. And it's interesting or coincidental, quote, unquote, coincidental, that that piece of property is blocked in. In front of that property, there's a business. Well, there's, a, there's another place fenced off. In back of the property, there's a whole construction. And the other side of the property, there are private houses. The only way to get to that property is through my land, our property. And I've always said, Lord, would you please make a way that we could purchase this property? Because if we, if we would have this property, I, I've been dreaming about having, which by the way, if you've never been to Parnell, how many of you guys been to Parnell? Parnell is a little street. The street of Parnell only has four structures in there. A warehouse, the Hope Center, a small church, a motorcycle place, or five. And the veterinary shop. That's it. And I, and I have always said, Lord, if, if you allow us to get that property, we're going to own 80% of the block. So in my mind, I'm thinking changing the name from Parnell to Hope City. I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to change the name. I'm changing the name. Why not? I'm going to change the name. Hope City. And in my mind, I, God put something in my heart. If we were to get that property, we could then take the homeless from the streets and put them in a, build them a house and put them there and restore them there. And from there, take them to the next building. And there they're going to learn how to get life skills. And from there, we're going to connect them back with their family. And, and, and I have such a, a great vision of others. And we were praying for this for a year. And while we hear the knocking... On the coalition, I said, no, we call, try to find out who owns that property. And we tried to contact this guy. And it wasn't until not so long ago that he contacted us. And he's like, pastor, well, he told Norby, tell the pastor, I'm willing to sell. The property right now is valued, Norby, are you here? It's valued at 40-something thousand dollars. Three acres of land. Now, imagine if you will with me. What happens if we manage to purchase that land right next to ours? Here's what's crazy. Our brother started coming to our church about three, four months ago. And he said, Pastor, ever since I came to this church and I'm hearing new birth, a 
place of hope, a place of hope. The Lord put in my heart a vision seven years ago. Oh, Jesus. And seven years ago, he gave me a vision. And I wrote the vision. And he took me out to eat. And we went out to eat. Because I, I listen to people a lot when they feed me, you know. <laughs> he took me out to eat and we ate. And he said, Pastor, I saw this, I saw the other, I saw the other, I saw this, I saw the other. And I said, you know what? Send me an email. Unbelievable. When he sent me the email and he did me a, 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 a schematic design. Hermes, are you here, Hermes? No, he works Sundays. He did me a schematic design. And when I saw that design, my wife and I, when we saw it, we were like, this is exactly what I feel the Lord wants me to do with this property. Had four phases in the property. Phase one, take them in. Phase two, take them through another process. Phase three, for families. I mean, it was just a comprehensive program. And I was like, wow, how God has put this vision and this dream in the hearts of people. And for seven years, they've been holding on to this. And now they're saying, Pastor, I believe it's going to happen here. And I want to be a part of it. And, and, and what, what I'm telling you, church, is that when I, when, I, when, I, when I see what God is doing in the hearts of people, and when I see how this woman who was not willing to sell us the property, now she writes me a letter talking about whatever, tell me how much. And a man, he's a dentist, we got to pray for him, that, who, was the, who we couldn't find him, finally said, I'm wanting to sell. Now here's the deal. Acts chapter 12. The Bible says that God opened the iron gate for Peter. Because there are some doors that we cannot open that only God can do. When we started this church, we couldn't purchase the property in Hope Center. That was a door we can open. And God said, I'm open. But now there's a door that is being knocked on and God is saying, I'm not going to open that door. Rhoda, it's your turn to open that door. Listen to me. Two men. Two men got together in spirit. Two men got together in spirit. Ten months ago, two men got together in spirit. And these two men came up with $265,000. And they gave it to me. And we bought that property. Two men got together. Two. And we got the property. New Birth has over 550, 600 people. If two men were able to do 265,000, what can almost 600 of us can do? Yeah, yeah. The, the other of y'all, y'all gonna get it. Keep cl clapping in spirit. Listen to me. Rhoda is knocking at the door. We got a choice today to celebrate the knock and celebrate and celebrate and celebrate. We hear the knock or we're going to walk to the door, open the door and let Peter walk in. Now, to close with how I started, Jeremiah 33 and 3, call unto me and I will answer thee. Here's what God is going to answer to. Jeremiah chapter 33 verses 1. And on it says, while Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. 
Now he says, call unto me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says about the houses in this city. God is saying, I'm going to respond not to your personal requests. I'm going to respond to the healing of the city. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says about the houses of the city and the royal places of Judah that have been torn down to be used against the siege ramps of the sword. In the fight with the Babylonians, they will be filled with dead bodies of the people I will slay in my anger and wrath. Listen to this. I will hide my face from the city because of its wickedness. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and I will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. I will bring Judah and Israel back from captivity and I will rebuild them as they were before. I will cleanse them from all the sin they have committed against me and I will forgive their sins and rebellion. This, this is what God is saying. I'm going to answer to this. Verse 9. Then the city will bring me renown, joy, praise, and honor before all nations on earth that hear of the good things I will do for it. And they will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I will provide for it. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says. You will say about this place, the homeless coalition, the property we're believing God for. You will say about this place, it is a desolate waste without people or animals yet in the towns of judah and in the streets of jerusalem that are deserted inhabited by neither people nor animals they will be heard once more the sounds of joy and gladness the voice of the bride and the bridegroom and the voice of those who bring back offerings to the house of the lord saying give thanks to the lord almighty for the lord is good and his love endures forever and for i will restore the fortunes of the land and i will do it says the lord this is what the lord almighty says in this place homeless coalition desolate and without people and animals and all in its towns there will again be pastures for shepherds to rest their flocks in the towns of this hill country of the western foothills and of the Negev of the territory of Benjamin and in the villages around Jerusalem and in the towns of Judah flocks will pass again under the hand of the one who counts them says the Lord now what is the Lord telling us he's telling us that if we call unto him call unto him what the prayer for the city this is a prayer for the city. If we call unto him for the city, he's going to answer us. He says, not only am I going to answer you, but I'm going to restore the land back. I'm going to restore the land back. And I'm going to tell you, church, the reason why God has given us property and God is opening doors for us is not for us. It's so that he can get the glory again. Put it up. He can get the glory again. So here's what we need to do, church. We got two options. Option number one, hear Peter at the other side of the door and do nothing with it or begin to open the door. And as we open the door, this is what we got to do. As we open the door and God starts giving us what he promised to give us, we got to make sure to give God all of the glory. Because listen, church, get up on your feet. Listen, church. What God is going to do in this church, what God is doing in this church, 
is not for the glory of a man. It's not for the glory of an institution. It's not for the glory of an organization. This is all for the glory of God. And God is telling us today, listen to me, church, new birth. God is telling us today the time to turn the knob and open the door is right now. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to believe God for greatness. No more celebrating. Lord, you're going to do it. No, he's doing it. Open the door. And we're going to go on a journey as a church as of next Sunday. And I want you from here to next Sunday to start praying. To ask God to guide you. How can you help us turn that doorknob? How you can help us turn that doorknob? Because I promise you, I don't have the money to buy that homeless coalition. But I can tell you this, I'm not taking a loan on it. We're going to buy that cash. Thank you for your enthusiasm. We're going to buy that cash. $250,000, we're going to do it. If two people pay $250,000, $265,000, I think 500 people could come up with $250,000. And we're, we're going to buy that property cash, and we're going to show it as a testimony that God is faithful to his church. And we're all going to get together. So I need you to pray with me. And I need you to join forces with me. And as of next Sunday, we're going to pray. And we're going to come up with a plan to find out a way. How can we open that door for the glory of God and put back that homeless coalition? Listen, it's not a coincidence that that coalition is in the heart of downtown Kissimmee. We, my son, my son just said about Thanksgiving. You could give turkeys for Thanksgiving. Let me tell you, the city of Kissimmee. The city of Kissimmee, city officials in Kissimmee is aware of what God is doing in this church. And I want you to realize that. We was, we, we, this past weekend, yesterday and today, Friday and yesterday, we were in Tampa pouring into two churches that started church plant. And they wanted us to pour into them. And we went out there, uh, Angel and Norby, myself and our spouses, we went out there to pour into them. We're driving back. While we're driving back, we get a, we get a call from 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 uh, uh, Olga, who, who's involved in, in in the city involvement, and she says, Pastor, 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 Pastor. They just gave me a call. They want to know that if 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 they can give you the a hundred turkeys for Thanksgiving. I don't know if you understand that. We're trying to raise 150 turkeys to feed our families. And the city is saying, we're so aware of what you're doing as a community that you don't even have to pay for it. I'm going to go ahead and give you 100 turkeys because we believe that what God is doing through new birth is the work of the Lord. God is doing for us what he's doing for us because now he's telling us, now it's time for you to do what I need you to do so that you can be a witness to the city that God is faithful and when we open the door eyes will see and ears will hear and receive what God has in store for us so church, church, church I'm going to get down here I'm going to close down here church, church why why is it that in one year we've accomplished so much why is God treating us exponentially? Why is God doing what he's doing in us at a fast pace? Why? 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 I, I wish I knew the answer. I don't know the answer. Why is God doing this so quick? I don't know. But I know he's knocking. 
he's knocking and we got to respond to the knock because God God's gonna make a way for you guys and you're gonna get your job back listen listen God's gonna make a way God's gonna make a way but we gotta walk through that door we gotta walk through that door we we can't we we you know you know you know you know you know you you know you knock in my house well, I can't tell you because then you're breaking my house I can't say that if I knock in your house and you don't open the door well then I'm assuming what that you're not there right if God is knocking at the door and we don't open the door God is saying oh they don't want it let me go down the church down the block I don't want to miss the door knock uh-uh so here's what we got to do. Here's what we're going to do. The door is knocking. Here's what you're going to say. Hey, I hear you. Don't go nowhere. I'll be right back. Wait, wait. I'll put it. Have you ever done that? They knocked on the door. Hey, hey, I'm getting dressed. Wait, wait. God, don't pass us by. Lord, give us, give us some time to get ready and get ready. Give us some time, Lord. We hear you at the door, and we're telling you today, God, don't pass us by. We're going to get ready. We're going to put on our clothes. We're going to come up with a plan. We're going to see how we're going to do this, God. But please don't pass us by. Listen to me. Listen to me. This church, God has found favor in this church. Not me. This is not me. God has found favor in this church. And he is going to use us as a church of agency to change listen to me all of Osceola County God gave us a building to start a church in Poinciana to the glory of God God gave us a building in Kissimmee we bought a cash to the glory of God now we're going to buy this homeless coalition and we're not just going to feed the homeless there we're going to do a lot more work in there to the glory of God and we're going to bring health and 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 programs and help people get jobs and access we're going to do access pro we got everything to the glory of God and you know what's going to happen I'm going to walk every Monday downtown courthouse of Kissimmee and tell everybody in there what the church is doing this is what we're doing in this city. This is what we're doing for you. And this is what, and you know what's going to happen? God is going to give us favor. More favor. And I believe that the Homeless Coalition, the property next to ours, and Poinciana is just the beginning of what God's going to do. But here's what we need to do, church. I need you to turn that doorknob with me. And for the next seven days, till we meet again on Sunday, I need you to pray. And I need you to ask God to give you the capacity to hear the knocking on the door. Because next week we're going to start opening. Some of us, if, you, if you're from, yeah, I live in the Bronx. And I was born and raised. My mother had like 20 locks in it. Clack, 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 chain. Remember the little stick with the chain? Clack, 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 so, 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 so we, as of next Sunday, we have to start unlocking doors. Unlocking doors. Locking doors. And we're going to do this to the glory of God. And this time, this time, we don't have to give a plaque to nobody. This is going to be the victory of the church. It's going to be a victory of the church. And we did this. And we did this to the glory of God. Is that all right, church?